This is the Glasses by Daigie by Night podcast, episode 13. I'm Matt, and today I'm going to be reviewing and moaning about some geeky stuff. So off the bat, I'm going to say please give the show a like or a follow on whatever platform you listen to it on. If you don't like something I've gone on about, or just want me to talk about something in particular, give me a message. So on today's show, I talk about Marvel and its upcoming X-Men script wars. I have bout two of KO of the Week, and I have a new comic to read before you die, Superman Red Sun. So, news from Marvel this week is that they are in talks of you know getting started on the X-Men pitches for the new movie. So, the idea of this is, though, this is going to fit into the MCU, which I think it's about time. The issue you've got is, what storylines would fit into the MCU? Has Charles kept the mutants hidden for this long? Did Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. know about them? You know, I kind of feel like to answer these questions you're gonna have to do some background into it you're gonna have to make sure that everyone's on the same wavelength because realistically they they've tried all this before they did in humans in marvel's agents of shield and i think that was supposed to be like oh this is the you know this is the mutant side that we couldn't use because fox owned you know x-men at this point the idea is i think that we need there need to be some sort of you know where were they what have they been doing why are they just suddenly now appearing okay yeah but the beauty of it is though that x-men have been around since the 60s so there's a plethora of stories that they can use um we have uh, anyone who's listened to any of my podcasts know that the ultimate x-men is probably one of my favorite comic book series of all time so do i think that that could be a better way to go about it in the first place yeah I kind of feel like, you know, they're already feared, they're already hated. I kind of feel like Magneto, specifically in the Ultimate Universe, is a villain. I know that he's a villain in, you know, in 616 Universe, but actually, he, is he much of a villain? You know, realistically these days, he's more of an X-Man than he is part of the Brotherhood. He's, you know, fighting for mutant rights. I kind of feel like Ultimate you know, Ultimate. Marvel Ultimate Marvel's Magneto was just a bit of a dick for no other reason other than you know I'm gonna be a bit of a dick. Uh, I kind of feel like um definitely use Magneto as a full on villain. Don't try and bring him in as an anti hero to be part of the X Men. Though I I do think that they should use the original first class, so it should be Cyclops, Jean Grey, Beast, um Angel and um, Iceman, and I kind of feel like pick decent actors for them, pick teenagers, make it so that you know, like we can actually use these characters more and more. Professor X and Magneto, on the other hand, I don't, I think they had pretty decent Professor X and Magneto. I think um, McAvoy and Fassbender did a pretty decent job, and I think. McAvoy, even once he became bald, did a decent job. I kind of feel like you've got these actors there. Pay them what they need. Get them back in. Get Professor X back in the chair. Get Magneto back in the helmet. What more do we actually need other than to just use what we've got and make it even better? Um, I kind of feel like, realistically, if you think about the, the first class movies um, that we've had already, Professor X and Magneto... They're quite good mates. I kind of feel like uh, Professor X is a bit whiny in it. It doesn't need to be. Um, yeah, realistically, it was an accident. Wow, how we how we lost the power to walk. It wasn't like uh, Magneto was aiming for him. Uh, you know, it would be a good villain for these films to begin with. Sinister. I kind of feel like Sinister is someone that the mutants can rally behind. Yeah, rally towards beating. Because Sinister is all about, you know, experimentation on mutants. Um, And, you know, if you think about it, I kind of feel like a lot of X-Men is about regular humans hating them. 
I kind of feel like the, the original film, the, the first film that they're going to bring out, is that going to be like, people don't know about mutants and they're going to just bring them in and then they're going to, you know, by the second film they're going to be feared and hated and it's going to be something that's mentioned in other Marvel things or is it going to be like uh, The Eternals and it's going to do one film and then never get mentioned again because seriously there is a celestial in it, what was it, the Indian Ocean that's like half out and is now what like a mountain um, and no one has mentioned that since. That hasn't been brought up in any of the latest you know, series or anything like that. But what can you do? Um, I, can, I think that they could make the X-Men the premier teen team out there. I think realistically, you know, Marvel needs some... Like, they, they've got Miss Marvel at the moment. And actually, I quite like that series. Do I like the idea of the Marvels coming out? Not especially. It doesn't really bother me one way or the other, other than the fact that it's going to lead towards the next Avengers film, and that is what we need right now. We need something to... Yeah, the MCU needs something to rally behind, something to aim towards. But I think that the X-Men could lead to other teen projects, such as... yeah. You could do a live action Runaways. I know that they did a TV series, but I'm not even sure if that's canon in the MCU now. And um, they could do Young Avengers quite easily. They they have enough of them that they could do something with it. I feel like the X school, yeah, the the school for the gifted could be a lot better. I'm thinking more X Men Evolution than X Men '97. I kind of think X Men Evolution was actually a school and it worked well. Whereas 97 was that they they were the X-Men. And it was all high-tech stuff. They were all training for battle. Yeah, doesn't need to be like that. Uh, I think we need someone like Chris Claremont advising him, you know, on the whole thing. He is the X-Men guru. He, you know, I know Stanley, you know, created them. But realistically, I'd say Chris Claremont was definitely the stepfather that raised them. Um I think get everyone's backstories out of the way to a certain extent in one quick swoop rather than, you know, get them focused on the, the matter at hand. Beast doesn't have to be blue off the bat. He wasn't blue off the bat in the comics. He was blue later when he was trying to get rid of his mutation. You know, they, they went over this in um, X-Men First Class. You could literally have him being blue in the second film and there being a small explanation about, oh, yeah he tried to he tried to fix himself and it didn't go right and that could be it we don't need to go into it it's like a lot of the backstories that we have from marvel and dc and all that it's just one of those stories that doesn't need to be kept getting told it just doesn't i kind of feel like every incarnation they they tell a story of how beast tried to mess with himself to fix himself and it just doesn't need to happen uh, has charles xavier been on good terms with the government and that's why no one knows about mutants so I kind of feel like if that's the case, then you're not, you know, if the government has known about mutants, would Sentinels play a big part in this film? Would there be a master mold? Would that lead to future timelines? Would Bishop be involved? Cable? Um, when Magneto makes his move, are there no Avengers around? And this is where Charles thinks that he has to have a contingency. So enter the X-Men. Is that how it would be, you know, how it would work? I feel like Juggernaut Rampage would be pretty good to watch on the uh, on the TV. If you think, but if anyone's watched X Men Evolution, he does a pretty good Rampage in that, and the X Men and the Brotherhood come together to stop him. Absolutely no Wolverine in this film. Absolutely no Wolverine. Hugh Jackman has stated that his last Wolverine movie is going to be Secret Wars. We don't need any more Wolverine. I kind of feel like realistically, he wasn't an original. He, the X-Men turned up in the 60s. Wolverine didn't what wasn't created till what was it 86 something like that. He he isn't an original Avenger, original X-Men or Avenger. He he's just a really good character and I kind of feel like Hugh Jackman played him so well that we don't need to you know we don't need to do anything with him. He's definitely not a first film kind of X-Men character. It just doesn't need to happen. Um the, you know, leave him be he can come in the sequels if need be bring in a, the characters to save the first class maybe the first class get 
taken at the end of the first film or the second film, whatever. I kind of feel like you've got a lot of good candidates for Wolverine, especially. Me personally, it's probably an unpopular choice, but I would choose Daniel Radcliffe. I feel like he's the right height. We know he can get jacked. We know he's got the acting chops for it. Why not? Do you know what I mean? Um, Radcliffe would make a good Wolverine. We can also look into Morlocks in this film. The Shi'ar is a possibility, as the MCU has already dealt with alien species. You've got Reverend Stryker and the Purifiers. That would be a good storyline and probably an easy one to do off the bat. Um, Apocalypse done right. Not the poor excuse that we got in Avengers Apocalypse. I have said on a previous podcast that I feel like the last uh, last Fox X-Men film should have been Days of Future Past. I feel like it was probably a perfect way to leave it and just be done with it. So if we've got Apocalypse, we need Horseman done right. Um, I always, whenever I think of the Horseman, I, think, I, I, I do shoot back to X-Men Evolution. I don't think that series gets enough, you know, enough credit where credit's due because actually it was a really good series and especially those last few episodes it it ended relatively strong the animation got a bit mm, but realistically it was a good series and it ended pretty well so i kind of feel like that is literally something that could be done and done right um you've got krakoa that could be used so many great stories and a plethora of mutants to choose from. This is what's brilliant about the X-Men is that once you've got that first class out of the way, I feel like the first class needs to be used. So the original five X-Men plus Professor Xavier. And then after that, I kind of feel like you can literally bring in who you want, when you want. And realistically, it's not going to matter because all of them are going to be great. So definitely one to look out for so we need to be watching out for what marvel do with x-men and as soon as i know more i will be talking about it This is KO of the week. So if you listened last week, what we're going to do is I'm going to do the same format. We've got rounds A, B, C and D. Four fighters from each uh, will advance till we have a winner of each group. Group A will then fight group B. Group C will fight group D. And then the winner of them will go into the final and fight for the winner of the week. So I'm going to get straight into it. I'm going to dig deep and pick two fighters so my first fighter is is sorry two seconds my first fighter is ultimate captain america versus atom eve from invincible right so round one goes realistically captain america is super strong he's stronger than the a 616 version he's fast he's not as he's not as nice as the, the 616 version Atom Eve can rearrange matter um, on non-living things ah, she could do things to his shield she could make his clothes attack him you know what I mean I, I very much doubt Atom Eve is going to get tucked down by Cap the only way Cap could get her is with speed speed and maybe thinking she was a Nazi you know some you know something alien like and maybe he'd take her down do I think that he would get the upper hand on her oh it's a hard one because I do like Ultimate Captain America but I do like Atom Eve Adam Eve can also regenerate. Uh, no, unfortunately, Cap, you get knocked out and put back into the pile for next week. So, unfortunately, that is a KO. 
Adam Eve, you advance to the next round, and Cap goes back into the you know, into the pot for next week. Group A, round two. So I'm going to dig deep here. I've literally picked two. I'm going to tell you the first one. So my first fighter is Beast Boy versus. I dropped this one pretty well. Hold on. Um, Sasuke from the tuning exams. So we're talking Naruto Sasuke. So Beast Boy can turn into any animal he wants. Is generally, you know, a huge powerhouse in the DC universe. Um, he's one of the very few characters that can actually do what he does. Sasuke, he just learned the Shidori. He's, you know. He's, he's not the nicest person in the world. He's, you know, he tried to kill Naruto. Um, who would win in a fight here? I think Beast Boy would put up a hell of a fight. But do I think that Sasuke would be able to copy his moves? Sasuke has, you know, the Sharingan. Would he be able to take him in a fight? Yes, I think Sasuke would Chidori's his ass and Beast Boy would go down. Do I think Beast Boy has anything that could regenerate from that? Possibly, but I think Sasuke would catch him off guard and you know probably become stronger for it. So unfortunately, Beast Boy is knocked out of the running and it is a and that puts Sasuke into the next round and Beast Boy back into the running for next week. So we have Atom Eve versus Sasuke for the winner of Group A. Okay, right. Atom Eve, super powerful, able to make matter out of anything. Uh, or rearrange matter. She's basically like um, a better alchemist from the... You know, full metal. Um, the idea is she can rearrange matter on non-living things, make it into whatever she wants. Guns, weaponry, um, vehicles, armor. Sasuke, super strong, able to unleash fire at will. Lightning now, he's fast. Master martial artist, throwing all sorts of kunai and all sorts. He can make things explode. Um do I think that Atom Eve would be able to take Sasuke in a fight? I think that even if Atom Eve could regenerate, do I think that Sasuke would have been... Would she be out for the count even if she could regenerate? I think that maybe she could regenerate, but would she still be unconscious and therefore not able to fight? And Sasuke could just take her out again. I'm pretty sure from what I can remember, she regenerates, but actually she's not completely able to, you know, carry on. Sasuke, on the other hand, would probably win the fight three times over. So unfortunately, Adam Eve, you are knocked out and put back into the running for next week. So... Sasuke, you advance to the next round. So Sasuke is in the final between Group A and Group B. So I'm going to go straight on to Group B now, okay? So Group B is round one, or fight one anyway. So I have picked my first one, and it's going to be Poison Ivy. Okay, so Poison Ivy versus... Um, here we go. Poison Ivy versus Vegeta from the Android Saga. So I'm pretty sure we all know how this is going to go. So the first round of Group B, Poison Ivy versus Vegeta from the Android Saga. Poison Ivy, from what I can remember about Poison Ivy, she can control plant life. She can use plants to seduce men. Do I think that Vegeta is weak enough to be seduced by her? Android Saga, he wasn't very interested in... Well, tell the lie, he was interested in women because he did father a child with Bulma. Uh, do I think that she'd get close enough to get him? I think Vegeta is just as ruthless as she is and Vegeta would Gallic Gunner and she'd be gone. So Poison Ivy, you are knocked out and it is a... 
Vegeta, on the other hand, will advance to the next round. Okay, so Poison Ivy goes back into the next. Vegeta, you advance. So, I am picking out the next fighter, which is going... I've got two of them here. So, first fighter is going to be... Luther Strode. So, anyone who doesn't know Luther Strode, he is a teenager who uses a comic book to... Or... Uh, instruction manual to become super strong invulnerable and can regenerate and he's going to be versus wolverine wow uh, <laughs> that is a pretty hardcore battle luther strode you know how wolverine is described as the best that there is at what he does luther strode is probably the best there is at what he does he is super strong that's he's super strong he can he hasn't got a mutant ability to regenerate, but he can will his muscles and tendons to rejoin. Oh, this is a tough one. He's literally, he's doing it on mind power, where, and he's strong as well. Whereas Wolverine might be strong, have adamantium claws. He might regenerate, but, oh, do I think that Luther Strode could literally pull the adamantium off him? He has done. He he has done. So, he, I've literally. You should see some of the the effed up stuff that he does. He literally. He, there's a lot of blood and gore in these comic books. It's definitely a really good comic book. Oh, do I think Luther Strode could take Wolverine? I think that he'd start by taking the adamantium out of him. I think Luther's fast enough to dodge any claw attacks, and then literally rip his spine out pulling most of the adamantium out of him and then i think once you know he's taken out most of the joints that are adamantium he could rip the arms off and then would would logan would he regenerate from that even if he did he wouldn't regenerate the adamantium so i think unfortunately it does sound like a weird one but i actually think luther strode would advance here and i think wolverine would be taken out because realistically we've seen if you think ultimate universe if you've read any ultimate universe wolverine was taken out by magneto completely magneto decimated him down to the atom and i think luther strode wouldn't be able to do that kind of thing to him but he'd be able to put a pretty big smack that in once he takes the adamantium from him i reckon he'd be able to take his head off pretty easily so i am going with luther strode so wolverine you have been KO. and you go back into the running for next week which is good for you because you might come up against someone that you can actually beat so we have the final of group b which is vegeta from the android saga versus luther strode so Vegeta from the Android Saga, super strong, just become a Super Saiyan. He's still learning how to use that power. Luther Strode got his abilities from an instruction manual that he got from a comic book. It's what is it, the Hercules method or something like that, and it works. He becomes ripped. He can do lots of different things. Do I think that he's Vegeta level strength? I think the issue we've got is Vegeta is probably one of the strongest anime characters of all time. Um, he's not the strongest that he's ever been depicted in the Android Saga. But do I think that he would be able to take Luther Strode? I think that this is a bit of a no-brainer. I think universe-wise, I think if Vegeta lived in Luther Strode's universe, there'd be, you know, the rules change, don't they? But realistically, if we're talking about each universe versus another universe vegeta does have the upper hand so android saga vegeta you advance to the next round luther strode unfortunately it is a and you get put back into the running for next next time all right yeah right so vegeta from the android saga advances so we have our group a and group b winners so in the final it will be Sas well in the final of group a and group b it will be sasuke versus vegeta sasuke from the tuning exam versus vegeta from the android saga right so i'm going to move on to group b or group c even right so right group c around one so, I have my first fighter here, which is going to be Rogue from the X-Men versus... Oh, it's going to be a small name, I think. Oh, 
versus A Train from the Boys. Right, so Rogue, you know what? Two equally whiny characters here. So, um, well, Rogue not always a whiny character, but realistically, if you think, if you've watched any of the films, you know how whiny she can be. She's uh, not, the, you know, it's not the most well-adjusted character in the world. A Train, oh, I swear to God, I've literally just rewatched season three of the Boys because I've just started watching Gen V. A Train, all he does is moan and complain. Ugh. I must be terrible being on the seven and you know being super fast and you know whatever and then got yourself addicted to get over it all right yeah so rogue realistically rogue can absorb abilities um different interpretations of rogue have a, a certain different you know power set so when she absorbed miss um, marvel's power back in the day she gained a lot of her ability. So what I'm going to say is, this is Rogue just with her basic mutant ability to absorb um, abilities and memories. All right. Yeah. So realistically, do I think that a train could beat her off the bat? It depends if he knew what she could do. If she, if he knew what she could do and run top speed, uh, it'd be like episode one of the boys where he obliterates Huey's girlfriend and. That I her name evades me at the moment. It's probably Sarah or something else like that. I don't know. Either way, uh, yeah. Basically, she's uh, she's not going to stand a chance unless she's quick enough to actually get her hands on him. Basically, all right. So could Rogue seduce A Train? Well, Comic Book Road is probably one of the the best the better looking girls in comics. I'm I'm assuming. So the idea would she be able to get in his head? I don't know. Also depends as she absorbed anyone else's ability before this. Uh, I think realistically, A Train does have the advantage here because Rogue actually has to physically touch him to absorb his ability. I think if A Train hesitates. He does like to talk. That's the only thing. Like the what was it the 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 guy who kills his brother in season three? Yeah, he has a chat with him and then runs him down the road and kills him. Do I think Rogue could get hands on him at that point? You know what? I I know that realistically A Train does have the upper hand, but I think Rogue would sweet talk him slightly. So I think that Rogue would get her hands on him. And then he'd be in some big, deep shit, basically. So, A-Train, you have been... And Rogue, you advance to the next round. So, A-Train, you go back into the... Into the... The play for next week. So, round two of Group C is... We have... Go on from the Cell Saga versus Ultimate Goblin. So, right, if you have read or read or watched Dragon Ball Z, Go on from the Cell Saga is probably the most powerful version of Gohan that there is. So, Gohan was a Super Saiyan 2. He was ruthless to a certain extent. He was a bit power hungry, wanted the fight as well. Um, whereas Ultimate Goblin. Definitely probably one of the most ruthless characters in comic books. Um, the Green Goblin from you know, 616 was always bad. You know, killed people close to Spider-Man, Gwen Stacy, etc. Uh, the idea is, though, that Ultimate Goblin actually changes himself. His physical appearance is he is you know, a big, colossal guy. He can breathe and breathe fire, fire, fire. He, you know... To be fair, he's part of the reason that Ultimate Spider-Man died. Uh, because, you know, he, he beat him to... To be fair, Spidey did beat him to death with a truck and then exploded. And he was already nursing a bullet wound. But either way, Ultimate Goblin led everyone to Peter's house. He told all the other, you know, his rogues that basically he was Spider-Man. Um, Ultimate Gohan versus... Uh, Cell, the Gohan from the Cell Saga versus Ultimate Goblin. Realistically, I don't, the rules would not be the same in either universe. Ultimate Gohan is probably the most powerful version of himself at this point. He 
you know, he's Super Saiyan 2, he's moving so fast, he literally takes out Cell. Cell can regenerate. I don't see how Ultimate Goblin could actually put up a fight against him. So, Ultimate Goblin, unfortunately, you have been... And you go back into the running for next week. And Gohan advances. So for the final of Group C. We have Rogue versus Gohan from the Cell Saga. So I'm going to give Rogue a slight advantage here. Because actually she has she's fought round one. She still has the power of A-Train at the moment. All right, yes. So she's absorbed A-Train speed. All right. So... If we're talking about powers she's absorbed, she'd have this power for a while anyway, alright? Gohan is still supercharged, he's Super Saiyan 2, he can change at will. Um, he's fast, he's strong. Rogue on the other hand, he's not expecting much out of her, so I'd say that Rogue with her speed might be able to get close enough to lay hands on him before he had a th- thought about what was going on. So she's absorbed a portion of his power. The thing with Gohan is, though, even though Rogue is now a Super Saiyan 2, or she's at least a Super Saiyan at this point, Gohan, on the other hand, is still epically powerful, and he's still got reserves, you know, ready to unleash. So would Gohan be able to pull this back, even though Rogue has absorbed some of his, some of his powers? Ah, I don't like to bet against Gohan, if I'm honest. I kind of feel like, literally, he's got the most potential out of all the Z-Fighters. So, realistically, I think even if Rogue had absorbed some of his abilities, she wouldn't lay another hand on him at this point. All that said, she still has. She has Gohan speed and A-Train speed now. Would she be able to combine them and use them against him? You know what? I Unfortunately, I think Rogue has then used both speeds, and she's able to actually get the upper hand on Gohan and absorb the rest. So now Rogue has A-Train speed... And a full Super Saiyan 2 Gohan's power. So, unfortunately, Gohan, I don't like to bet against you, but you have been... And now you are out of the running, and Rogue advances. So, it's going to be Rogue versus whoever wins from Group D. So, Gohan, you go back into the running for next week. Um, Group D, round one. So, what have we got? Let's dig deep. I've got one here, and it is going to be Hawk Girl from the JLU. Okay, versus Golden Freezer. Wow. Um, <laughs> right, so I, th- I think that the uh, we, we may have some problems here when it gets to the actual finals. So... Round one of Group D is Hawk Girl from the JLU, so that's Justice League Unlimited. She has her own wings that are biological. She um, carries a mace that is made of nth metal that can you know, use electricity. Is you know She's strong, she's fast. Golden Freezer is probably one of the strongest beings in the Z-Universe, or yeah, the super-universe as it might be called now. Yeah. Uh, do I think that she could beat Golden Freezer in a fight? Uh, if he was asleep and she caught him off guard, she could bash his head in. Uh, I think the nth metal might throw him off slightly, but all in all, Hawkel, this is like the probably the, one of the easiest ones of the day. So unfortunately, Hawkel, you have been... And Golden Freezer, you advance... Hawk Girl, you go back into the running for next week and hopefully come up against some less strong fighters. So, round one of Group D goes to Golden Freezer. So, straight into round two, I have picked out two, so I'm going to go straight with them. I have Donatello from the Turtles versus... Some of these fights aren't going to be as, you know, as open as others. They're not going to be a bit one-sided. This is Superboy. Okay, so this is um, Connor Kent, um, Connell, the version of yeah, Superman, Superboy that basically is a clone of Lex Luthor and Superman. Um, Donatello, master martial artist, master of the bow staff, um, smartest turtle, probably one of the brightest minds in that universe. Superboy, super strong, fast, 
um, tactile telekinesis so he touch things he can disassemble them reassemble them um, he can fly he's got arctic breath heat vision everything a good you know maybe not as powerful but everything a good kryptonian would have basically um, and basically with his tactile telekinesis anything that he can't do as a normal kryptonian it's you know it's up to that level anyway all right so donatello would maybe use smoke bombs ninja techniques superboy on the other hand can see through the smoke he he has you know all the you know the ocular visions that uh superman has he could see through it this is probably you know i said actually that uh hawk girl versus golden freezer was a one-sided battle but unfortunately donatello even if I give you some of the later powers from, you know, the TV series, there's not a chance that you being Superboy. So unfortunately, Donatello, KO. you do not advance, and you go back into the running for next week. So Superboy advances, and he will be up against Golden Freezer in the final for Group D. So finally, uh, you know. A fight that we can actually get our teeth into, okay, yeah. Both Golden Freeze is one of the strongest beings in his universe. Superboy is a pretty strong being in his universe as well. Alright, and we're talking physical strength as well, alright? We're not talking god tier strength, alright? Uh, although Golden Freeze are probably god tier strength, but could Superboy hold his own against the gods of his universe? Quite possibly. So Golden Freeze speed wise, they're probably on par with each other. Um, would Freezer's energy that he used to destroy all the planets that's God energy isn't it I'm sure do you know what I mean would he be able to take out Superboy with that well he never took out Goku when he got in with that but Goku also didn't escape from it so would Superboy be able to take him out Golden Freezer can survive in the vacuum of space. Superboy can hold his breath for a long, long time. Oh. So they both can survive in space. Golden Freezer doesn't have to breathe, though. Oh. Do I think that Superboy would be able to beat him? You know what? I'm going to give this to Superboy because I think that realistically, if they took the fight to space... The closer Superboy gets to the sun, the stronger he's going to be. So if they get close enough to the sun, he would be able to do that. But then would Freezer just try and destroy the star? Uh, I think that Superboy would become epically more powerful than Golden Freezer the closer they got to the sun. And he would take him out. I think he'd be a little bit more ruthless than you know, Superman would be. So I think that... Superboy would advance and Freezer gets the KO. And that is how it's going to be. So, Golden Freezer, you go back into the power for next turn. And Superboy, you advance to the final between Group C. So, you're in Group D. Right, so we're going to do the final for Group A and B, which is Sasuke from the tuning exam versus. Vegeta from the Android Saga and um, what we're going to do is I'm going to go through pros and cons okay so realistically if you look at all the fighters we've got today they're all pretty strong in their, their specific universe we don't have anyone from the same universe in the finals so Sasuke is you know he realistically during the tuning exam he's not the strongest being in Konoha um He's he's not the strongest being in that that particular universe at this point, but he's got them. He's got a lot of potential. He has the Sharingan. He has his Chidori. He has his fire powers. His general ninja skills. Um, he can copy other people's movements and things. Do I think that he would put up a fight against Android Saga Vegeta? I think he would. I think he's got enough. He can you know do enough ninja tricks that he probably might get by on it and the thing with vegeta is he'd use this gallic gun on him would sasuke be able to copy that ability and use it back on him 
it's gathering the energy for it, I suppose. So, unfortunately, I don't think Sasuke at this point would be... I think if we were talking Sasuke, you know, modern-day Sasuke with the ability to use the um, Susano, I think if he could use that, then it'd be a different kind of fight and Vegeta might not be... This particular version of Vegeta might not be able to put up a fight. But I think Vegeta would have the raw strength, power, determination, whatever you want to say, and would be able to beat him. So, Sasuke, you go back into the running for next week, and Vegeta advances to the finals. Okay. The final for Group C and D is between Rogue and Superboy. So, let's get started. Rogue, I'm going to give her an upper hand here okay yes so literally rogue has a train speed which is pretty good and she has super saiyan 2 gohan powers which includes all of his abilities so putting her up against superboy now superboy yeah super strong fast kryptonian powers tactile telekinesis i think this would be a good fight i think it'll be a brawl to begin with and then Rogue would decide to use her powers on him, get close, absorb his abilities, and now she has Kryptonian strength. The issue is Superboy might be able to get high enough, get some sunlight, actually reabsorb some solar radiation, and actually put up a fight. Um, unfortunately, I just can't see her. I think the more he absorbed, the more she just take it. So now she can absorb solar radiation as well. So... I can't see how Superboy would be able to put up a fight against Rogue at this point. So, unfortunately, Rogue wins Superboy. And you go back into the running for next week. It was just unfortunate you come up against Rogue. Okay, yeah? So, in our final now, to see who the winner of the week is, we have Vegeta from the Android Saga versus Rogue, who is epically powerful at this point. Okay, so... If I was to put Rogue back into the mix without abilities, do I think Vegeta would beat her? Absolutely. He would rip her apart. He wouldn't give her a chance. He's got very little skin showing other than on his face at this point because he, he doesn't. He has sleeves, he has gloves on, he has full body armor. I can't see how she beat him. Except I'm giving her A Train's power. Gohan Super Saiyan 2 from the Cell Saga and Superboy's powers. So realistically, Vegeta, she's going to rip you apart. She's not going to take any prisoners and she's going to absorb your powers as well. <laughs> so she's going to find that, that skin to touch. She's going to touch it. She's going to absorb your abilities. She's going to see how much you love Bulma and all that. And she's going to absorb your memories and she's going to take you out. So we have another... Vegeta has been taken out of the running. He is put back into next week. And we have an all-round winner of the week. Rogue wins and... Checkmate! She advances to the finals, which will be later on down the line. But realistically, we're going to have a good final at the moment because week one was Jean Grey versus rogue and rogue will be put back to a basic form for the finals all right by the time we get to the, all those powers have worn off anything she absorbs during the thing same as any other fighter that can do that she will take with her okay yeah it's just a shame that sasuke didn't come up against anyone that he could actually absorb the powers of properly and um, so rogue advances to the final and this has been ko of the week
This week's commentary before you die is Superman Red Sun. So it's a beautifully written story. It's a what-if story, and it was published on the DC's Elsewhere imprint in 2003. It was written by Mark Miller. So I talked about Mark Miller last week. So we only have to look at his credentials to know how awesome a writer he is. And I can't big up the Ultimate Universe any more than I already have. But we um, he started on things for um, DC under the... The Authority, so that was Wildstorm. You've got Ultimate X-Men, The Ultimates, uh, Ultimate Fantastic Four, Civil War, Wolverine, Old Man Logan. You've only got to look at them and think, right, so the Ultimate Universe, the Ultimates especially, actually influenced big time the new Avengers, you know, the, the MCU Avengers. You only have to look at the lineup and realise that actually, you know, big props up to... You know, Mark Miller for actually giving the inspiration to the writers of it. Um, we've got Ultimate Fantastic Four. Obviously, nothing's been done with that yet, but realistically, there's nothing to say that anything could be. Civil War, Captain America Civil War. You know, if anyone's read Civil War, it is brilliant. It is good from start to finish, and I probably will go through it at some point in a comic to read before you die. Wolverine, Old Man Logan, you know, that you know, influenced the film Logan. And if I'm honest, I wasn't a big fan of that, but I have rewatched it recently and it's not as bad as I thought it was. I think I got obviously got to the point where Wolverine was a bit overdone for me and maybe needed to give away to some other mutants. So if you know hopefully if X Men actually does get made into a film, which you know, I've talked about earlier, I'm hoping that it does. The idea is that they won't just use Wolverine and hope for the best. It was um, penciled by Dave Johnson, so he's an American comic book artist. Um, he started working in 1985, working for Comico on the title Robotech. In 1991, he was hired by Dark Horse Comics. And one year later, he started working for DC's imprint Impact Comics on the title The Web. Um, his first official DC publication was in 1992 in the Demon title. And since then, he works on many other titles. Um, including Rebels, Wonder Woman, The Spectre, and many, many more. Um, most recently, he's been working as a freelancer for many companies, including Marvel, Legendary Comics, and DC Comics. So, I do absolutely love the artwork and the visuals in it, and I feel like a lot of it was, if if you think about Superman through the ages, there's a lot of images of him like holding up the the globe from the Daily Planet, catching a car and stuff like that. And I actually think they use a lot of this as inspiration for some of the images. Because, you know, although it's not a conventional story, he is, at heart, he is a kind, you know, the Superman in the story is actually a kind person. He wants to do the best for his country, all that jazz. And the idea is, just because, you know, He's not drawn as a Kansas farm boy who's decided to, you know, help the world. It, you know, it's drawn really well. Um, it was coloured by Andrew C. Robinson. He worked for DC Comics, Dark Horse Comics, Marvel Comics. Uh, he's cover artist, penciler, inker, and colorist. So um, the reason I've mentioned him is because I don't think that. Um, inkers and colorists. Actually, it's all I'm calling a colorist. I think he was the inker on this particular one. Um, they don't get enough credit in my eyes, and actually, the penciler is in the writer and the penciler get most of the actual, you know, mo- most of the props for the comic books. But you should see the colours on this are brilliant. It's just there, and the, the colours and inks on it are brilliant. So I'm just going to try and give them as much props as I can as we're going through. Um, so the story goes: so it's, imagine if Superman hadn't landed in Kansas, but landed in the Soviet Union. So the story mixes alternate versions of DC superheroes with alternate reality versions of real political figures, such as Joseph Stalin, JFK. Um, so the series basically spans from 1953 to about 2001. So say for a future, basically the ending has a future futuristic twist and it brings something new to the Man of Steel mythos. So in Red Sun, Superman's rocket ship lands on a Ukrainian farm rather than in Kansas. So he becomes an adult um, and becomes a state-sponsored superhero whose civilian identity, like in the normal comics, is kept a secret. And um, 
the Soviet the Soviet radio broadcast they describe him not as a fighter for truth and justice uh, and the American way, but as a champion of the common worker who fights for a never-ending battle for Stalin, socialism, and the international expansion of Warsaw Pact. So, Superman, Red Sun, Rising, yeah. It's 1950s Soviet Union. It unveils um, the newest asset, Superman. So it's you know, it's a historical revamp, basically. It's it's twisting actual events and making them what would happen if the Soviet Union actually had a Superman on their side. So it's it's during the Cold War. It's um, turning into a nuclear arms race and. Um, now they have a, now the Soviet Union have a super being on their side. Uh, Superman's a newcomer and Stalin's in a circle, and he grew up in the Ukraine and he's kind-hearted, unlike what we all think Stalin actually is. So, what I love about this is Miller said that, um, like I said earlier, he came up with this idea when he was really young. So um, it took him a long time to get it, get it all out. So. It's it's based on his thought that um, flitted through his head when he was uh, when he read Superman um, number three hundred as a six year old. It was an imaginary story where Superman's rocket landed in a neutral waters between USA and USSR, and both sides were rushing to claim the baby. So as a kid growing up, in, in, he grew up in the shadows of the Cold War. The notion of what might have happened if the Soviets had reached him first just seemed fascinating to uh, fascinating to uh, Mark Miller. So. As he got older, um, he started putting thing, everything together, and he first pitched his DC uh, this to DC when he was thirteen. Um, he does say it was much cruder form, and of course, his drawings weren't quite up to scratch. By nineteen ninety two, he had already developed many of the plot points. So instead of landing in Kansas as a child, he's decided to put him, you know, the rocket landed in the Soviet Union. Instead of working at Daily Planet, he's a reporter for Pravda, uh, or Pravda even. Um, there is a reversal of the current situation. This time it's USSA, USA that's splitting up with Georgia and Louisiana, demanding independence. Tanks rolling through the streets in New Orleans. Superman fights a whole heap of heroes and villains that have been integrated into this timeline. So we've got Batman, Wonder Woman, Bizarro, Green Lantern, Doomsday, Atomic Skull, Brainiac. Um, they're all written brilliantly to go with the Elseworld, se- Elseworld series. Um, the thing I love about this comic yeah, more than anything is the ending, which is something that we haven't seen before. So I won't give you any spoilers. It has a futuristic twist over, other than that anyway. Um the book has been made into an animated feature, which scored a 7.6 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't too bad. Do I think that it re- that that really gives it as as much you know props as it probably deserves as a comic? Absolutely not. So it is definitely a comic that you should read before you die. I'm Matt and this has been the Glass by Day Keep Our Night Podcast. Thanks for listening.